right. Welcome, everyone, to the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Lau from Duke University. And today I have the privilege of uh, speaking of Dr. Gregory DeFelice uh, from Hospital Special Surgery. And he's an associate professor at the Cornell Medical College. He was an author in a paper titled Acute Percutaneous Repair a Medial Collateral Ligament with Suture Augmentation in the Multiligament Injured Knee. It results in good stability and low rates of postoperative stif stiffness, which was published in December 2023 uh, in the Arthroscopy, Sports Medicine, and Rehabilitation Journal. So welcome, Gregory, and thank you for joining us. Hey there. Thanks for having me. And uh, I guess to start off, you know, just maybe give us like a short synopsis of the, the study itself and the key points uh, as you see it. Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I tend to be one of the people out there who uh, who repairs the ligaments equally as frequently as I reconstruct them. So uh, if you're familiar with my work, you know I've published a lot on ACL repair. And uh, when I, back when I first started doing all this about probably 15 years ago, maybe even a little more, uh, I was seeing quite a number of multi-ligament uh, injured patients. And my feeling at the time was that, you know, if the ligament is torn proximally or distally, that that you could potentially have a better chance of, of re maybe repairing the ligament and avoiding, you know, having to use a graft and tunnels and, and increasing the morbidity of the procedure. And so this, this uh, paper was a retrospective look back at uh, 20 patients who had either ACL-MCL or ACL-PCL-MCL or PCL-MCL. So they had at least two, sometimes three ligaments that were out. My uh, approach for well well over a decade has always been that if the MCL is, is torn in such a way that the tissue is relatively intact but simply detached, that I would go and acutely repair it. Um, you know, we did, we published a, uh, a paper uh, explaining this whole concept a little earlier in the year on um, ACL-MCL. And now this was the follow-up with the clinical outcomes of 20 patients who had multi-ligament injured knees where we acutely repaired the, uh, the ligaments. And um, we presented our results. And, you know, in a nutshell, it says that acute intervention and, and primary repair of the MCL with a suture anchor-based approach and suture augmentation led to pretty much excellent results. Um, you know, we had good, good uh, follow-up at about 4.3 years, and 90% of the patients uh, who were treated with acute repair and an early motion rehab protocol had negative uh, laxity to valgus testing, and uh, they had very, very low reoperation rates. Only one patient had to go back uh, for stiffness. And that's kind of counterintuitive to what's out there and, and the, historically the way we've treated the ACE, the MCL. In addition, the outcome scores on the on the PROMs were all excellent. IKDC was 82, Lysholm 95, Modified Cincinnati 89, the SANE score was 90, Forgotten Joint score of 80, uh, Tegner's uh, it was uh, was at five. The average age was, age was about 40 years old, so that's not so bad. And the return to sport after injury scale was 78.3. So, you know, essentially the message is this, is that you can acutely repair the MCL uh, with a suture anchor and suture augmentation approach uh, in an acute knee. And if you, if you do an early range of motion protocol, you can regain range of motion and stability in a predictable fashion. 
And I, I'll tell you on the on the side notes on this is that the we originally submitted uh, over 30 patients with follow-up and we included KD1s where they had isolated grade three MCLs because I, if, uh, I would also uh, do the same approach for those folks. And uh, the same results were, were found is that whether it's an isolated high-grade MCL, a single cruciate with the MCL, or double cruciates with the MCL, if you approach it in this fashion, you don't have to be afraid of the crazy stiffness that everyone talks about if you do it um, in a minimally invasive fashion and with an early range of motion protocol. So um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, I think this study was really, really interesting to me. I, I've encountered obviously the same things that you you've talked about, and I've done a few of these too. And I, I know some of the same things you noticed too. And I'd say just to highlight, you know, the mean follow-up is four point three years. So you know, this is good long follow-up, not just you know a few months. So we'll make sure patients get back to um, good uh, activities of the Tegner score as well. Um, and we're looking at you know grade three injuries, as you mentioned, not the grade one or two, but grade three injuries. So um, I think grade one and two is, as I think you mentioned in your paper as well, you know, so generally treating that non-operatively, but these are full avulsions or full tears. Um, and, you know, question for you is, you know, when we think of multi-ligament injuries, you mentioned a little bit about ACL repair, potentially PCL repair, you mentioned that in the paper as well. Does that, how does that play in, in terms of your timing for this? So you mentioned acutely being less than six weeks. Is that the time frame? What, you know, if it's a, a full tear, missubstance, of the ACL or PCL, does that change timeline versus an avulsion? Um, is there any role for trying non-operative for grade three in a setting of a you know a missed substance injury or any of that? Does any of that play in? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is where it gets a little a little complicated. You have to have you know some experience and uh, and uh, some judgment involved. You know, historically, what I was taught, I'll tell you, I'm about 25 years into practice. And I was taught, don't mess with the MCL. I was taught that you never operate on the MCL unless it's completely destroyed and you know you have to you have to graft it. You certainly don't operate on proximal MCL tears because those are the ones that get stiff. Maybe occasionally you'll operate on some distal MCL avulsions uh, off the tibia, especially if it was a stenter lesion or something like that. And that's what I was taught. Um, and, you know, you have to have a little bit of a historic perspective, and I certainly do. And if you read my ACL repair work, you'll find that it's uh, tremendously based off of uh, the historic perspective. And the historic perspective on MCLs was um, that in the past, they way back, they used to they used to open repair the MCLs through a big incision. But the trouble was is that as the was the trouble with ACL uh, repairs is that they would put them in a cast up to their hip for anywhere from six to eight weeks. And as you can imagine, if if you have taken care of a lot of ligaments, especially multi-legs, if you have MCL injury and you put them in flexion and freeze them up, that's where they're going to stay. They're going to get miserably stiff. And, and that's what the experience of those, the surgeons of those, um, you know, the ones who taught us, that's what their experience was. And so they taught us, don't operate on the MCL, except maybe the distal ones. And 
that's just not what I've found. You know, I, I've, I went with it with the ACL and found that, you know, gee whiz, you can repair ACLs and, and it does work. And now I've been doing it for 15 years and I've got between five and 600 patients and uh, uh, endless uh, publications. And it's it works. And, you know, everybody's fighting me on this and nobody believes. And, you know, it's like, how many people do you have to do before somebody's going to actually take notice? And it does seem that people are starting to take a lot of notice nowadays. Now, the MCL is one that in the modern day we put in a, we put in a, uh, a brace. Right. And the, the, the treatment for a combo injury, whether it's a single cruciate or both, is to, hey, let's wait for the MCL to heal, and then we'll do the ACL, and then we'll do a reconstruction. And my point is, is that if you have an open mind, you know, many times all of the MCL tissue is sitting right there. And if with a very, very limited approach, you can uh, open a window over the epicondyle and tack the proximally evulsed tissues down, slide a suture augmentation under there and, and tack it down distally to reinforce the tissues. And because it's so minimally invasive, you I do that at the same time that I do the ACL in the acute setting, you know, any week or two post uh, injury. And then I immediately move them. I put them in a, a hinged brace, but encourage them to move immediately. And so by the time they get to six to eight weeks out from surgery, um, which is about the time they would have been taking the brace off and having the ACL reconstruction, my patients have basically healed their ligaments, right? So, so there's a lot to it. You know, you can, you're avoiding all of the morbidity and, uh, and delay of surgery from, uh, from waiting for two months. You are, um, avoiding the possibility that the MCL is going to heal and still be a bit loose, right? Which yeah. you and I both know that that happens quite a bit. You let them heal up and then they end up with a one plus or maybe a two. And you're like, oh, now what do I do? Um, I certainly don't want to go in and reconstruct it because it seems like it has an end point. Mm -hmm. And you know what the answer that everybody does is? It's the answer that I was taught. Well, go in and put the ACL in and then see how it feels. And then if it's still loose, then do an MCL reconstruction, at which point you put the ACL in, it feels a smidge better, and you talk yourself out of doing the MCL reconstruction because you never do them. Yeah. Right? Good point. So I, I just evolved down this path of, you know, of treating acute injuries acutely, of, of taking it and then using the suture augmentation um, to reinforce the tissues while they heal. Yeah. And it's, uh, I haven't been disappointed. I, I, I repair, uh, as uh, people know, you know, you hear me talking at conferences, I'm always talking about repairing and any of the ligaments around the knee in the acute setting, sometimes chronic setting. And um, it works. It works tremendously well. And the patients recover quickly. Um, they don't get stiff. And, and very rarely do they, lo they loosen up and have a one plus. Yeah. No, I think you brought a lot of good points there. I think the points that you mentioned are if you're in a loss injuries, like when a repairable, you gain to them very quickly within one or two weeks. So they have good healing potential to come back. They don't scar down. Um, and uh, I think that you also have to accelerate rehab, where some people 
when they do repairs, they may more likely slow it down because they're worried about you know that repair, how well that repair holds. But I think your point is taken well that if they have a good enough repair, they're confident to move them. And that's probably where the augmentation of the, the internal brace helps with that. Um, I guess one of the questions I have for you is um, when do you ever do, say there's an avulsion of the MCL, do you ever do that in isolation and come back later? Or are you do them all at one time? Say there's a mid-substance ACL, PCL. Would you do the MCL internal brace and then come back later to do ACL, PCL? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, it, it, it's a very interesting topic, right? So, you know, one thing that you'll notice if you do the a lot of, of multi-legs is that they have much more going on in the knee and they tend to have much more healing potential. So, you know, I used to think about that and be like, you know, wow, what should I do? That that one's actually mid-substance and this one's proximal. And and I, I realized that, hey, if I go in and tack the MCL down and try and get that to heal, why not just tack the ACL and the PCL back together and, and see if they heal? Because I'm going to come back anyways, right? So if it heals... I don't have to come back. And if it doesn't heal, well, I'm here anyways. And, you know, I know it sounds a bit crazy to some people, but, um, you know, tacking the ligaments back together and putting an internal brace in there um, is dramatically less morbid than doing a recon, dramatically. So mm -hmm. generally my patients don't get stiff when I do repairs. And, um, and what I found along the way, you know, for, I would go in and, you know, multi-legs is a, is a big, a deep, dark bucket of, of different injuries, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, sometimes a patient's not stable enough to undergo a multi-hour round-the-world recon, right? So sometimes you'd, I would sneak in there and tack everything back together and get out because, you know, they, were, they had other morbidities. Um, and what I found was most of the time the things healed, even if it was substance. So I, I don't think that the, um, the absolute necessity of having a proximal tear, as I've talked about with ACL repair, I'm not sure that that's entirely applicable to multi-legs. You know, I've had quite a number of patients who've had, um, who've had mid-substance cruciates that I've repaired that have healed like gangbusters. I have one woman in particular um, who dis, who had a KD3 lateral um, on both legs at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, that's, that's a big hit. And I took her to the operating room and I said, you know what, we're just going to do damage control orthopedics here. And I'm just, because she had some fracture avulsions on the lateral side. I said, let me tack all this stuff back together. And while we're here, we're just going to tack the cruciates back and see how she does. Um, and sure enough, uh, we, we did round the world repairs on both knees in one setting, right? So simultaneous, it took us about five hours to get in and out for, for two knees and, um, uh, she healed everything up and it's, she's like five or six years out now and she's perfectly stable and they were mid substance cruciate tears. That's a great, I mean, that's, I, that's a really novel concept and I think it makes a lot of sense. I agree that. There's so much more going on in multi-leg setting and the healing potential is a little bit different, you know? Um, and I think that makes a, you know, that's really interesting that you're, you're doing that and curious to see how many times you do that and 
So you have to go back and do a recon of it. Do you, do you have that information? I mean, I don't know how frequently. Um, it's, it's occasionally. We published an article probably maybe three or four years ago talking about the number of times we were able to repair things and the you know the num the number of times we had to go back it's not zero you know I'll, I'll be i'll be plain and admit that to everyone you know it's not it's not a hundred percent but it's also you're not taking uh, you know look reconstruction isn't a hundred percent and the stiff the stiffness rate is real after after multi-legs yeah. whereas you know this paper shows acute intervention for these you know either two or three ligaments in 20 patients, we hadn't didn't have it. We had one person who had a little some stiffness. Yeah, which is pretty amazing, right? Pretty, I mean, that's what I mean. Anytime you think of multi-leg, regardless of repair or anything, you always worry about stiffness, and, and and that was definitely a key point that you mentioned in the study. I mean, let's be realistic. Most people talk about MCL. All they talk about is is reconstruction. They come up with all these elaborate ways of reconstructing the MCL, whether you put an Achilles tendon in there or you put a graft in there, a hamstring or, you, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. But the fact of the matter is most of the time, all the tissue is sitting right there. It just needs to be organized a little better. Mm. And in the past, we used to do a, a very, very morbid open approach and then we would cast them and they would scar in miserably. Whereas nowadays, through a few well-placed windows, we can tack the tissues back into the right position to assist the body so that it can heal it right the first time. Yep. And then we don't lock them up so they don't get stiff. And to me, that's the way, that's the way I approach. That's the gospel in my book. Now, I know a lot of people fight me on this stuff, and a lot of people, you know, have really, really, you know, jumped in my face about, um, you know, how could I go against the old literature and all this stuff? But in reality, you know, we just keep getting more and more and more uh, evidence and more papers, and it's coming out from all over the world that, you know, this isn't such a bad idea to actually less is more right to actually you know when the tissue's there let's see if we can just reattach it rather than than have to put in a big graft because those are very morbid procedures and you know I, I only use those procedures in um in you know chronic failed cases where there's there's no good tissue to work with yeah i'm not saying they're bad procedures i'm just saying they're not always necessary yeah no i think you bring up a lot of good points. And I think if you can minimize surgery on people and, um, you know, if you're going to, there, you're there already doing repairs. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I've, I've used some of that strategies too, for myself. I find that, you know, for me, some of these MCLs, even when they're mid substance, I do the exact technique that you talked about in terms of doing the, uh, to augmentation on the medial side for that same reason. I'm like, do I, you know, I'm done an ACL, PCL, whether that's repair or recon and the MCL side, we know even from the historical data, there's a possibility they can heal on their own, even if they miss substance. Maybe put into our brace to give us some support. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts well, on that? What you're doing is you're you're putting that brace in there so that it holds the 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 articulation reduced because the MCLs tend to gap a little bit, right? They sit with a little bit of laxity in the in the medial sides gapping open due to gravity. And if you can put the little internal brace in there and it can hold it 
hold that side of the knee closed. Now, yeah. one thing I, I will say, and we're doing a study right now on this, is that, you know, there's a lot of talk about just putting the suture augmentation in, you know, and just relying completely on that. Now, I personally don't think that's a great idea because it's too, a little too simplistic. You know, I think we need to help the body pull whatever tissue back up and anchor it in place um, to assist, you know, getting to organizing the tissue so it can heal nicely. And then the suture augmentation is like a seatbelt. It's like a backup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like to re- rely completely on the, the suture augmentation. Um, and some of the, some of the, the bench studies and cadavers, they just throw the suture augmentation in there and then they'll, they'll push, push and pull on it and say, gee whiz, check it out. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's strong. Yeah. Well, no kidding. You know, yeah. and that's one of the problems with these time zero cadaver studies when you're putting suture augmentation is it doesn't matter how you put it in. If you compare that to simple repair, it's always going to be stronger because you're putting a big intact rope in place. It's almost like putting a, a graft in. Yeah. You know, of course that's, that's going to be stronger, but it does limitation in those biomechanical studies there. Um, right. It doesn't allow it doesn't take into account that the body is going to heal things and make it stronger over time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I think we've we brought up some really interesting concepts and ideas of repairs and there's probably a lot of people listening to this wondering, well, you know, were all those, all of our um, predecessors wrong? No, yeah, there, that's not the case. A, do you think there's ever a time there is a role to wait for an MCL on an MCL? Oh, like, absolutely. What, what I do it all the time. What scenarios would you say uh, lead you in that direction? So I do it all the time. I just, in fact, just today I had one of those. I had a, a police officer who... Uh, injured himself coming down off a step or a ladder or something. He had an uh, acute proximal ACL, uh, MCL also. And uh, his meniscus was a little beat up, but it was didn't need stitching. And so, we, you know, he was a little hard to examine in the office. He, you know, most of these people are a little sore and tight. And um, but that's usually once you put them under anesthesia, it's it's not a hard stop. It's just they're just, you know, splinting. And so the plan was to take him to the operating room, see the true grade of his MCL, um, which ended up only being a two, uh, which I decided to leave. And then we repaired his ACL. And so uh, we didn't have to do anything for the meniscus. So by the time we get out six weeks and he's coming off of the of the splint, for his MCL, his ACLs healed. We don't have to do any more surgery. Yeah. You know, now people might say, oh, you're going to get stiff. You're going to get this. You're going to get that because you're operating too soon. And oh my gosh, but that's just not the case. And that's the whole point about this paper is that when you do this thoughtfully and you're, you know, you're very insistent upon early motion, you can get good results <clears throat> even in the, the triple ligament setting. Um, Without, uh, you know, complications and stiffness, which is great. Um, You know, one other thing I would say is that you mentioned, you know, scratching your head saying, were our predecessors wrong? And my answer to that is always absolutely not. Our predecessors did not have all of the things that we have and 
and all of the understanding that they provided to us so we could reassess the situation, right? The whole statement of we stand on the shoulders of giants is absolutely true. Those guys didn't have the benefit of MRI and, and, uh, and all of the uh, computer resources that we have. Um, not to mention all of the surgical resources that we have. So they did what they could do at the time. And it, the only reason we're able to, to see through the trees is because, you know, they, they showed us the way, you know, yeah. I, not, all this stuff is based off of what Dr. Warren and the gang told me, taught me when I was a resident and, you know, yeah. you, they teach you how to think and then you, you make progress based upon them and yeah. somebody hopefully will make progress based upon us. Yeah, definitely. No, not, not to imply that I was just trying to say that, you know, obviously we're, we're changing a little bit of the dogma here, talking a little bit differently. Um, and then, but I think that you make really good points. And I think this is why I'm so interested in this article. I think why a lot of our listeners will be too. Um, one more thing I'd love, okay. one more thing I want to throw in there real quick is that the, uh, the, the one thing that's critical with all of this stuff, whether it's ACL repair or, or any of the ligaments or MCL repair, is for the orthopedic out surgeon out there who's who's thinking about changing his ways and following this lead, you know, it has to be an incremental change. Number one, you have to educate yourself to the anatomy because you're going to be per doing percutaneous approaches. And I would strongly encourage people to get into the anatomy labs and to watch the videos and to really practice before they do it. And, you know, and that's the thing people have to do. Recognize the patterns of injury and things like that before they go and just try and, do, and, and get after it. Talk to me, talk to others who do this kind of stuff so that we, we're not practicing on patients. You know, we should be practicing in the lab and, and a, a lot of different ways before we finally get to the OR to do this thing. And that's how, it, because otherwise we're just going to have bad results with repair and then everybody's going to shake their finger and says, see, I told you so. Right. You know, well, I, more. I mean, just like you said earlier, as taking your metaphor, you can't just put a rope in there. You got to put it in the right spot. You got to make sure you incorporate everything you need to do. Um, and so I do have one last question because, you know, obviously we're a lot of people who do this are going to be in athletes and stuff, you know, motorcycle accidents, get multi legs, but a lot of athletes get accidents, younger patients, the average age in this one was in this study was 40 ish. Are you thinking differently of younger patients, high level athletes, uh, um, you know, college or professional, does that change your thought process at all? Yeah. To be, to be honest with you, embedded in all of these, uh, these studies that I've written, whether it's ACL or you know, multi-legs, et cetera, is the average age is 40 because a ton of people come in with ACL, MCLs from skiing, right? And, um, but they're buried in the, buried in these groups of patients are um, high school, college, semi-pro athletes uh, and things like that. Um, in my particular practice, not a lot of pro athletes, some pro rugby players and maybe skiers, but, um, but I don't, I, you know, it's more, to me, it's more about treating the body. It, it doesn't matter what level athlete you are. If we can get your tissue to heal back to where it was supposed to heal, then we're good. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like there's no morbidity by putting a graft in. It's not like grafts don't get stiff. And it's not like graphs don't fail. So we're not comparing to a 100% perfect approach as it is. 
So, you know, I think it takes judgment. Um, it takes, uh, a, you know, a skill set that you develop. And it takes, you know, talking with your patients and keeping them informed so they can work with you and, uh, in, you know, protect it with, you know, on crutches and a brace when they need to and, you know, speed up when they have to. I think those are good points. And, uh, you know, multi-ligament knee injuries, there's not one cookie cutter way to do it. It's very individualized, as you mentioned. Um, but I think this study has brought out a, a new, some new concepts, new ideas, and you've highlighted them well here. And I think the work that you're doing with this, but also with your ACL stuff, is um, is definitely pushing the envelope and helping us think of things in a, in a new light. So I want to thank you for your time. I know we're running a little bit over here, but I want to thank you for your time and for highlighting all the things that you're doing. And we really appreciate it. So thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. And then I just want to highlight at the end here that the views expressed here in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. But uh, thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.